Turns out that Bitcoin was the best performing asset of the entire decade, Brent. If at the beginning of the decade you had invested $1 in Bitcoin, it would now be worth more than $90,000. Jesus now, Christ. Now, I would say that that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good ROI down there. And, that and <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of history down that upslope right there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. You're listening to our flagship Friday, and year break is over. The holidays are <laughs> over, and we are back in the classroom with you. Uh, my name is Kareem Baruch. I'm here with Brent Philbin. What's up? What's up? Adam Levy is driving around to Tron conferences across the United States, so he's not here right now. That's correct. He is chasing his passion, and you know what? We support it, Adam. Yep. yep. You go. You you go find Justin's son. Make it happen. He's buddy. Considering the Tron bus, actually, I think he's going to like make a purchase and and do a collaboration with the uh, the bus driver experience podcast, where it's a bus that they drive around, but it's Tron. <laughs> well, they should tweet about how like some company. I don't know. Just tweet something about how somebody does something better than Tron, and you can get Justin's son's attention That's real true. quick. So, all kidding around aside, Brent, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Decade. Yeah, it's been, uh, it been a good decade. I think we're going to talk about that a lot on the show. Yeah, we're going to talk about... Uh, you know, some end of year, end of decade related stuff, some Bitcoin stuff, some news like we always cover on the flagship. But as usual, we get started with our rapid fire section. These are our stories that we want to cover relatively quickly. We say we're not going to dive into them, but then again, you can't tell us what to do. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Get out of here. <laughs> and Adam's not here to cry that I'm taking too long yeah. on, the, on the rapid fire. So before I do that, I want to say... Uh, obviously, we took the the break off, but we did release an episode. Still, I had uh, an interview with uh, Grant Blaisdell, or Blaisdell. Sorry, God damn it! I, I said his name wrong on the show too. I felt bad because he just told me what his name Blaisdell, and he was interestingly working with some AML KYC stuff, or no AML stuff, not KYC, and had some interesting theories on that. You know, reasons why a company might be breaking that privacy veil. It was interesting, so check that check that episode out. We talked to him because he was running the company that was trying to get our users' crypto back from that scam. But anyway, there's going to be an interesting thing at the end of this episode that you're going to like. That I, I think that there is a cri- big crypto story that involves me, believe it or not. What? Yeah. Oh, man, I've been waiting for this day. Yeah, I can't be sure, and I'm going to see how I can figure it out, but that'll be at the end of the episode. Okay, so first thing... Uh, before we even get to the rapid rapid fire, the first rapid fire question I have is, Kareem, what was the price of Bitcoin in January 2019? Oh my God, why are you doing this? Why you why are you? Put- <laughs> Jesus. We okay. have to compare for you know what? Let's do an easier one. What's the price of Bitcoin today? No, 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 no. all right, hold on a second. Let me try. Okay, um, I want to say that the price of Bitcoin today is sixty eight hundred dollars. Sixty eight hundred. Okay. I actually don't know. I'm pulling up coin market. Oh, seventy one hundred. Seventy one hundred today. You don't even know. <laughs> I knew what it was last year. All right. I didn't All right. And today. last year, January. Oh, but this was started two thousand nineteen. Uh, was it like ten k? It was thirty eight hundred. <laughs> oh shit! Oh yeah, we were already crushed. Damn. Yeah. So so mm-hmm. Bitcoin was, was an amazing investment to this year if you had invested in January of twenty nineteen, rather. So- Interesting side note, Brent. I actually read somewhere that if you sold every time Bitcoin reached a high and then you bought some when it reached a low, you would have made a ton of money. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So just so So we should probably start doing that. I think we should do that rather than this whole like buying (laughs) and not selling thing. Stop buying high and selling low. It's not a good idea. (laughs) Just buying high. Uh, oh man all right yeah good idea let's let's do that great question start up the show (laughs) yeah so the rest of the show might even also feel like a rapid fire because of the the theme that i chose for the uh for for at least my own articles but right here vice released an episode on crypto i haven't watched it yet i do like vice when i do watch them they're pretty cool again a standout vice episode is that north korean episode 
which, which has some amazing uh, accidental comedy in it. <laughs> and, Are you talking about the guy looking at the blank computers surrounded yes. by? <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so anyway, I've seen some other Vice episodes. That one is just a standout to me. Haven't seen the crypto one. I will give them a chance and look at that and see how they did because I know explained on Netflix did crypto and it was it was awful and it literally just mm-hmm. based on how bad they explained crypto in the crypto episode. I never watched any of the other stuff, even though it kind of is up my alley. Oh, no, some of them are really good. Well, but if they couldn't even get base things right on cryptocurrency, I feel like I'm not going to learn anything from there. You know how on Reddit, sometimes you'll have like a a comment that is the top comment. And then like a little bit down, you've got somebody who's like, no, I'm actually a doctor. This is terrible advice. Like, this is not the way it is. But it got all the way upvoted to the top. That's what it felt like. Yeah, okay, but I would assume, or at least to give you an idea to check out some of the other ones, they probably hire different experts or reach out to different experts for each episode. So they might have just had shitty experts. Maybe they like looked up who can who understands cryptocurrency and just went to like somebody that works for Tron or or, or Mr. I'm Satoshi Nakamoto, correct, right? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that doesn't mean that when they were doing an episode about dreams or memory that they didn't go to proper experts in that field. So don't, I wouldn't rule out the entire series. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe I can give them another chance, but I feel like there's a broken uh, broken method there. Anyway, Vice, I do. I have not had that experience. Maybe I'll never watch Vice again after I watch a cryptocurrency episode. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I just noticed it was there. I'm going to have to find a way to pirate it because I don't have HBO anymore. So but- letting out my biases here, I used to love Vice. Like, I didn't watch it a lot because I get depressed. You know, a lot of their episodes is like, oh, here we go into the Congo where, you know, oh, we're talking to the gorillas in this part and Al-Qaeda. You can only take so much of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> but I thought that they were fantastic. And then I know that they sold a big part of it, of their channel, like either their parent company or their company. They sold the sharing interest with like News Corp, I think, the people that run Fox News and stuff. And I was like, oh, God damn it. And then um, I I haven't had like direct evidence that their coverage has been influenced, but I know that my brain like just deprioritized watching Vice News. Like I still sometimes stumble on a clip or something and I watch it and I enjoy it and everything. But I think my own anti-corporate media bias was just like, oh, God damn it. That's it. Nope. I don't <laughs> want to consume News Corp ownership. I'm sorry. I'm done. Forever unclean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This money's dirty. <laughs> Oh, well, well, whatever. You either die here or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You know, mm-hmm. that's Batman. I also like unrelated quotes. Yeah, that was completely related. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so moving on to some actual more crypto ish content, you can send crypto to email addresses now via Coinbase, which wow. is interesting. You don't have to transfer to a wallet address. And everybody was pretty. There were two reactions to this they were either excited about it being like oh my god progress or they were like fuck coinbase we hate coinbase like this is still within their platform centralized it's in their platform it's centralized so it's no different than transferring somebody money on poker stars or whatever the case mm-hmm. but it kind of blew my mind that there hasn't been a way to transfer money via email or username yet that's like i felt like i guess i never did it but mm-hmm. inside the platform i don't understand why that took time to get i don't understand why that's a big thing like is i guess coinbase is probably the only one where you can do it i've never tried to like send a buddy money on binance or something but yeah that's a it's kind of kind of crazy to me that that's the that just got implemented it kind of shows you how far away some of this stuff is right and a lot of times it's not even necessarily about creating some incredible new technology that doesn't exist but a lot of the things that we use in our life that are really efficient was when they properly implemented things that had already been invented and already make our lives easier in other areas. And it's just like, okay, how can you integrate this into this? You know, and and of course, we all know, we've said it from the beginning, of course, it's much easier to send money to somebody by sending it to, you know, Brent, I love cookies 2929, then yeah. XZY3444Z4Z4XY, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Please don't uh, give out my private usernames. I don't need to be hacked again. Come on, those are so. your keys. <laughs> <laughs> those are my cookies. Oh, God. nice. Uh, Very good. I thought that was better. Starting than the was. New Year's strong. 
(laughs) (laughs) So anyway, apparently you can send email money. It takes a long time for some reason. And also you can send it to emails that don't have Coinbase accounts yet. Kind of like you can do on PayPal. So if you send it to like the wrong email, then that person that's signed up for Coinbase could get their money or whatever. Or I don't know if you can get it reversed or anything like that. I haven't looked too much into it. Given I'm not banned from Coinbase anymore, but I haven't used them since I got unbanned. I tried to get the, the debit card, but I never, I don't know, it never came to fruition. I wonder, I you know what, the, this makes me think about, because like, I don't really know what the, uh, like you said, the behind the scene process here is, is just as simple as like, oh, we have an email associated with your address. So you could just pick the email and then we'll find that address in our file and send it to the person. That's like, okay, that's whatever. That's really not that interesting. But this makes me think about like a service that would, let's say have an algorithm for creating addresses or matching addresses based on the email input. So like, let's say I go in and I'm like, oh, my email is, you know, Kareem at CryptoBasic.com. And then just based on those letters, it would create an address. So I could always share that with somebody, but they could go to that tool and like reverse engineer. They wouldn't have to reverse engineer. The system would automatically match that way oh yeah it's some sort of cipher to your public exactly exactly make your public address a cipher to an email that you could just give to people and when they look for for it as the email it automatically converts and that wouldn't be centralized that would be i mean you have to use the cipher i guess the key converter yeah whoever whoever puts it into that yeah that would be that would definitely i think there is i think that's what uh ens does yeah you're right i think ethereum so there's there's definitely things like that they're hard you know, good on Coinbase making it easier to send money. I I, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind them making it easier. Binance, come on along, make it easier too. And then that'll be, I don't know. I still won't have any money on exchanges, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so another interesting question that, uh, that I'm kind of, wa- I, I don't know what to think about this. I'm wondering, like everyone else, is Google targeting Bitcoin and crypto? And it, it, we've seen some evidence that they're doing it, but also could be in the realm of tinfoil hats and conspiracy theories. So mm-hmm. they shut down a bunch of crypto YouTubers uh, over the last week. And I mean, Box Mining, Data Dash, Ivan on Tech, like these are mm-hmm. massive, massive channels. You know, Data Dash aside, Box Mining and Ivan on Tech are not like the, you know, the Ian Bellina scammers of the world. Right. Like they're they're guys who... Uh, are actually providing quality content and i you know i haven't really watched data dash since he shilled uh substratum so uh, i don't know if he got past that and did and ended up not being a scammer in the end i don't know but he had a big channel so they all got shut down uh youtube did release a statement saying it was an error so maybe they're fine it appeared to target people who had links to exchanges in their accounts and there was theories that maybe the whole we're not financial advisors do your own research thing Google was just like, nah, fuck this. We're going to cancel this. Because I would say, to Google's credit, at least a little bit, a lot of the crypto YouTubers are going to be, you know, not scammers, but just like they're giving out financial advice and saying it's not financial advice. They're like, here's how I trade. Here's how you should trade. Here's like the fucking magic Mm -hmm. Fibonacci thing that I'm going to draw here with a dragon. And you should do this. I love on crypto Twitter, you just see people just plant their flag. They're like, Bitcoin is going to test 7,800 before it falls down to 7,300. And then like that never happens and nobody holds anybody accountable. But anyway. But Brent, uh, isn't it? I I don't know because I don't consume it a lot because I guess I've bought into the idea that I couldn't beat the market. But I'm pretty sure that there's a decent amount of content about the same thing with stocks, isn't there? Like all kinds of people being like undervalued stocks, overvalued stocks, stocks that are going to blow up, technical analysis. So unless traditional financial communicators who are amateurs, unless they're getting shut down as well, then the fact that the whole financial advisor thing seems less relevant and the fact that it's crypto seems more relevant. Yeah, I I agree with that. The exchange links maybe were were the the kicker. I don't know. It looks like most people had their videos re-monetized, so they're fine. Mm -hmm. YouTube said it was an error, but not everybody had their stuff re-monetized. There's other people out there who have been tweeting it. YouTube, try and solve this. And then the other thing that is part of this is MetaMask was taken off the Play Store yep. in your phone. So if you have an Android device, MetaMask was pulled. Now, you may have MetaMask on your phone, but that there won't be any updates to it. And it was for crypto mining, which is not something MetaMask does. And they appealed, and they were like, this, what are you talking about? Like, we don't do this. And their appeal was denied. Mm-hmm. So they were actually kicked off. So I went and searched for MetaMask, and there is a early release app 
that's called MetaMask on Google Play. I don't know if that's the real MetaMask. So I would say definitely don't download that until this situation has solved itself. I don't know if that's the right one. The screenshots look familiar. There's no reviews. And it could easily be somebody taking advantage of the situation and seeing that MetaMask was pulled off and trying to get some private keys. So do not use that until this whole thing is solved. But it's just another another tick in that category. Yeah. And more importantly, Brent, I think the underlying theme here, which is something we've kind of talked about before, but this is the power of big tech, right? Like we both agree that Google's amazing. Like Google gives us so many features, so many, like there's so much stuff that we use essentially for free. But at the same time, this is like a ridiculous amount of power. Any kind of like YouTube is such a communication system for so many things and they could just shut down whoever they want, whenever they want. The app store, you know, people talk about like, oh, it's so it's decentralized. Uh, you know, people can use stuff everywhere. But we've seen it time and time again. You know, Apple recently shut down an app that was being used by the protesters in Hong Kong. Right. Yep. So it's a reality that we're going to have to face that these tech companies that we grew up with now hold immense amounts of power that go far beyond because they can indirectly censor. They can indirectly block innovation. They can in, like I don't know. It's interesting, especially because cryptocurrency is such a space that talks about decentralization and being independent and everything. But this shows, uh, yeah, we're not just worried about, let's say, the U.S. government coming down with an iron fist. You have other very powerful forces that can clamp down on this movement, let's say, or this space and affect it. Yeah. Look, I was playing poker with a guy last night that worked at Facebook. <laughs> like, And I asked him, do you have a Facebook? And he said, I have the one they made for me. He didn't even like have his own. That that was super telling. That's crazy. That he wouldn't go into anything like that. He was wearing a I mean, who wears a Facebook fucking jacket? Like that whatever. He wanted people talking about Facebook. But anyway, it was uh yeah, these tech companies have a massive, massive amount of power. And that part of the necessary decentralization is that they is that we're targeting in crypto is we need to take some of that away from them, not just the central banks. These we guys do. are going to, they're the central banks of your data and, and the they're Metamask, not paying you for it. The MetaMask example you gave is so telling because it shows kind of like the arbitrary force. Like here we could, with the YouTube stuff, we could say, oh, they made a mistake and they're trying to correct it and the algorithms, which is already kind of, uh, but fine. But here with the MetaMask stuff, they're shutting you down saying it's because of XYZ. And the company saying, what do you mean? We There's no evidence of us doing that. And they don't even get like a full breakdown saying like, no, here it is. And this is why. It's just like, nope, too bad. We say you're off, so you're off. And what are your options to appeal to who? We're yeah. the jury here. We're the provider. We're the everything. Yeah. And, and apparently Google doesn't do the is this evil thing anymore. Yeah. They dropped that when they became Alphabet, I want to say. Yeah, I think it might have been you that told me that. I don't know. I, I, I That was always one of the things that I kind of appreciated about Google. And <laughs> this is not the last time I'm going to talk about Google, uh, you know, because they are, as far as the, the firm that gets the max amount of my data, it's them because I use Google Drive at all times. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, yeah, anyway. Look, I, I'm telling you, man, too, like not to sound conspiratorial because I think you know I'm pretty skeptical in general. But... Uh, you know, like any like any strong uh, big company, a company the size of Google, there's going to be behind the scene pressures, whether it's from law enforcement, whether it's from traditional government, legislative, executive. But in the 2016 election, there's evidence. I mean, there's for, there was for sure all kinds of cases that even subtle manipulations like autocorrects for certain candidates would be different or certain political topics. It, you know, like the idea it's we're obviously not China. Right. Where literally every company has to bow down to the state unconditionally. However, if you think we're the opposite of China, you're severely mistaken. Like these companies, when they get this big and the same thing with Mark Zuckerberg, right? Like one of the one of the big complaints about like, oh, why did Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump get together and are they working together and this and that? Well, Facebook's biggest fear is that the antitrust laws get used against them. So they're probably right. willing to do anything and everything to whoever's in power to make sure that nobody brings an antitrust lawsuit against them. And the longer they can attain more power and market share, the harder it is to get That's the right. antitrust lawsuits passed against them. So mm -hmm. every year of a president that won't attack them or a Congress that won't attack them is, is good for them.
Mm-hmm. And more resources for them to <laughs> influence more po- more politicians. Yeah. And interestingly, I would I would think that it's on the conservative side of uh, it, just in my mind when I'm thinking about like conservatives yelling about things. One of the things they might yell about would be, especially like on the libertarian side, would no, actually it wouldn't be because they don't care about antitrust. But I feel like they would be mad that people were using their private data to make money, but they're not. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I want you to cover your story because I didn't read this. So. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was an uh, interesting little headline. Uh, Bitcoin started off the 2020s with the highest hash rate that it's ever had, which, again, is interesting because I think naturally most of us just relate the performance of the space based on its price action. And the price usually is telling us something about the growth and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of evidence or there's a lot of different stories that show underneath the price, which can be based on emotions, news stories, fake stories, real stories, whatever, speculation. Um, Things like hash rate are kind of growing steadily. And we're going into the new decade with, like I said, the highest hash rate. That means that the Bitcoin blockchain today is the most secure it's ever been. Now, this is according to multiple uh, monitoring sources, you know, like blockchain and Coindance. Remember, we can't really perfectly calculate the hash rate. We can just estimate it. And those estimates... like the difficulty changes. And- yeah, correct, correct. And it looks like right now we are at between 119 or 143 quintillion hashes per second. Now... If you're like me, when you hear that, your first question is, what the fuck is a quintillion? I mean, like, really, what is it? You know, I know I know it's a number. It's a, it's, it's a made up number. No, yeah, it's <laughs> like a lot. Do you know more than uh, like it's a, a bazillion. bazillion? Yeah, it's like a gazillion put five. Um, no. So really, how much is a quintillion? I just kind of wanted to explore that a little bit. And just to give you some reference points, one quintillion pennies laid out flat would cover the earth two and a half times over the entire planet. Wow. We really need to get rid of the penny. That's what I took from that. (laughs) One quintillion is a thousand quadrillions, which is a thousand trillions, which is a thousand billions. So now uh, on a more galactic uh, reference point, imagine the Milky Way. Imagine all of the stars in the Milky Way. It would take about... 25,000 to 100,000 Milky Ways, almost almost 100,000 galaxies to get a quintillion stars. Jesus. So the Bitcoin the blockchain right now is hovering around 119 times that per second in hashes. Wow. So basically alien life is going to come from the Bitcoin blockchain. That's right. Okay. That's, right. that's what There that's is what more I took data. Yep. Perfect. Data exploitation, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can make data say whatever we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how this works. So um, before we get to the rest of this episode, it's time to talk about wild foods and got a little interesting information to drop about wild foods right now. Wild foods sponsor of the show. They have great single ingredient foods, coffees, teas, all that stuff. Very few things that you can just kind of like grab and eat. It's not like they have potato chips. It's not like they have, you know, whey protein is probably the closest thing we have to something that you can just like grab and go. But mm. this today, in fact, I believe the day this is launched, they now have a keto bar Ooh. that is individually wrapped and you can eat it. It is 100% keto. It's got all the same high quality ingredients that you can expect from wild foods. And it's actually delicious. Now, I've been fully keto for about six weeks here. Not like it's going to be like a long-term life thing. I got too fat. I need to lose some need to lose some weight. Down about 25 pounds-ish from my peak there when I, when I started the keto. And there are no good keto bars. Now, I haven't tasted it since we tasted it in production. But it should be here by the time I go to HQ after this podcast and... It was delicious when I tasted it in production. What was the flavor? I was not on keto then. It's like a chocolate-based flavor, so it's mm. going to have like a chocolate powder. And I had not I, – I, I was not on keto, so it was just like I was eating I had, right in between my bread. I was like, oh, okay, sure. I'll try the Wild Foods Keto Bar. And I was like, holy – what? This is keto? Hmm. So it was really good. So if you're 
interested in kind of jumping into that wild foods train you'll be able to get that starting on either friday or monday on the website and you can use crypto basic 12 for 12 percent off your order tell them brent sent you awesome so brent on to our stories uh i think we have a little update from one of our favorite coverage areas the chinese so i just to clear my stories what i did this week and what we do each week on the the podcast is each of us will go find a few stories and then we'll talk about them. That's why we always say like, oh, look, Brent, this is your story. Adam, this is your story, whatever. So Adam finds the ones about Tron. Kareem <laughs> generally finds the ones that are like actually substantive. And then I do the ones that are funny. But uh, this week I was like, you know what? I'm going to sort our cryptocurrency by top of the year. And I'm going to grab all the stories that we forgot to cover. The biggest stories that we forgot to cover this year so or didn't cover or whatever. So. And honestly, it's been a lot of episodes. I don't. Maybe we did cover these. I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't remember covering Very good them. premise, Brent. <laughs> so I put them in there. So uh, this one was apparently in a Chinese court. And again, we may have covered this. I don't know. Bitcoin was declared a legal commodity. Uh, and that happened in mid-July. Originally, the source on this was Dovi One, which is somebody that I know Adam follows. So I'm surprised this didn't make it into the show. But maybe again, maybe it did. I don't know. Don't yell at me. This is the second time that China ruled that Bitcoin was actually property. Now, we know that China is somewhat anti-Bitcoin, but also somewhat pro-blockchain because like they realized there's a really good way to leverage that. And uh, this guy is Mr. W- identified as Mr. Wu. So I don't know if that's like saying John Smith in like you know or or you know mr nobody in english or something but whatever we got mr Wu here and he had a lawsuit that there was apparently taobao which is like it's like alibaba but there's no real u.s gateway to it there is but it's significantly limited but taobao has a lot of the same manufacturers that alibaba is going to have they also had a crypto exchange at some point it was fxbtc and this guy apparently put in an order and his order was canceled because the exchange shut down and he didn't get the Bitcoin that he wanted from his order. If at least if I understand this right, it was 2,675 Bitcoin, which he paid $11,000 for at the time. And he apparently immediately sued them trying to get his Bitcoin. He was just like, no, I wanted this money. Well, like, obviously you have to pay somebody else for that. It's not like you're buying it from FXBTC on Taobao. And I think it was shut down due to the Chinese government issues. So they did not rule in his favor. They did not give him his 2,675 Bitcoin. But they did, in the process, for the second time, say that Bitcoin was actually a property that could be ruled who it was given to. And they did, they, uh, in their piece, they said the cryptocurrency meets the virtual property requirements because it has value, it is scarce, and disposable. So... Interesting little thing coming out of China there earlier in the year. So, you know, I'm going to go because these aren't super long. I'm going to go over each one of these before I go to your story, I think. Okay. I want to say we Uh, did cover that story, by the way. It sounds like familiar, but we'll give you a meme. (laughs) Hey, stop it. Listen. Okay. Actually, what I'll do is I'll do these next two because they were the other one is closer to now. So uh, I'll do Wikipedia became a brave verified publisher. Again, we may have covered that. I don't remember covering it. And Kareem's nodding his head like we did, in fact, cover it. Mm-hmm. Still an important big story because they're always asking for donations. That's And true. they never accepted Bitcoin. And a lot of people wanted them to. So now they at least are verified on Brave so they can take the donations that way and people's attention can go there when they're using it. So, Dude, WikiLeaks made bank because they accepted Bitcoin. They were going to yeah. go totally broke and then <laughs> and then the government like forced them to invest in the best asset. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, government. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so if you're wiki in front of your name, you should be accepting crypto. That's just the way it is. Okay. So, and they are. And just brave. I don't think they can accept Bitcoin yet, which is interesting. They might be able to. I don't know. Whatever. I don't even remember when that was. I, I should have put it. I didn't. Sticking with the browser theme, Opera became the first major brow- browser to allow native sending of Bitcoin, which I didn't know. I, I, I don't know a whole lot about Opera. I know it is 
technically a brave competitor. I know they do value some privacy. I don't think they're made on a Chromium skin. Like, no, I, I, they're their own thing. I've used Opera before. I don't think that yeah. they're a Chrome copy at all. Yeah, I think they might be. I don't know enough about browsers, but there's there's Chromium and then there's whatever Firefox runs on. And I think they might run on that or they might not. I don't know. Even even Microsoft Edge is switch, switching to Chromium. Like finally, <laughs> Microsoft gave up. They're like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> we'll go. We lost Brave or uh, Chrome destroyed us. We'll go to that. So not only does it allow Bitcoin, it already allowed Ethereum back in all before last year. Uh, and it's a native app inside, but they have a third coin, and that coin is Tron. So, so any thoughts of me switching to Opera for any reason? The fact that they're like, you know what, guys, we gotta do, we gotta have Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Tron. Just the fact that they chose that as their third option, I will never touch them. I was just like, nope, that is a horrible decision. <laughs> you take that. And of course, uh, sorry, Brent Adam. taking advantage of the fact that Adam isn't here to defend. Yeah, can't defend it. Pretty yet. messed up. Pretty messed yeah. up. You know, whatever. I'm gonna kick them when they're down. <laughs> so those were those were a few of the stories that we missed, and uh, or maybe didn't miss. <laughs> Just that I I don't know. So speaking of, I should have done top of the decade, but there was no easy way to figure that out. But Kareem did. Kareem, you figured out this decade in investing. So. Give it to us. Yes, Brent. I went ahead and did the research of reading an article that was already written. <laughs> <laughs> so this topic was the decade in investment. I want to say that this was on for Oh, my goodness. I forgot to link the article here. But anyway, it had some interesting numbers that I wanted to share. So number one, this was based on a report by the Bank of America, the securities. And... Turns out that Bitcoin was the best performing asset of the entire decade, Brent. If at the beginning of the decade you had invested $1 in Bitcoin, it would now be worth more than $90,000. Jesus now, Christ. Now, I would say that that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good ROI down and, that road. And, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, a lot of history down that upslope right there. <laughs> and that includes a lot of downswings, you know? Anybody stuck, on the other hand, with a Kayat, which is the local currency of Myanmar, the country that was previously Burma, uh, they unfortunately would be very upset because due to ethnic conflicts, violence, instability, $1 in Kaya at the beginning of the decade would now be worth just four-tenths of a cent. So basically wow. completely evaporated. <laughs> so that that was worse than the, uh, I guess so. the Venezuelan. Yeah. Deflation. That's interesting. Ninety nine point six percent, if my math is correct. There. Jesus. Uh, I know Myanmar is like uh, kind of shrouded in. They're almost like a North Korea, but kind of have their borders open now. I I don't know enough about it, but I I do know that it's one of those places that we couldn't go for a long time, and now we finally right. kind of can. So I, I think it's, it's also on my list. The, it's also one of the places that's getting if. Maybe I'm thinking of Bangladesh, but I think Myanmar also is getting like crushed by climate change and like rising tides and stuff. You know, oh, wow. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm thinking of Bangladesh actually. Well, I know. I want to say Australia is getting destroyed. Jesus, I saw some of the pictures. It looks insane. Yeah, but anyway, this is about investing, so we're gonna stay on track. The worst performing stock market, and uh, a little shout out here and a sorry to Jason, our editor, but the worst performing stock market of the last decade was the Greek stock market because of its continued debt crisis. $1 invested in Greek equities in 2010 would be worth about seven US cents right now. Damn. Well, good news is 10 years ago, Jason was like 13. So So this is probably not his 401k. Yeah, you get a chance to buy low, (laughs) but uh, that's pretty brutal. Uh, on the other hand, the best performing stock market of the decade was, unsurprisingly, the United States. Uh, $1 invested in American stocks is now valued at $3.46. That's a gain of over 250%. I don't know why it says that. It's more. It's like 346%. Um, of yeah, course, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, of course, it's worth saying that there's a lot of speculation and I think a lot of evidence that shows that the American stock market is inflated by the Federal Reserve's just continues 
dumping of money into the whenever they need to, especially yeah, this just, last they year. They just did it. Yeah, especially this last year. We're essentially already in quantitative easing, but that's another story. Yeah. Hey, listen, this is this is all thanks to our Lord and Savior, Donald Trump. <laughs> he is the reason the stock market is going up. Yeah. Of course, if you ask anyone, they now, all know. Now, of course, you know, it, I think it's worth saying uh, to put our the tape political ball in both courts. We're also not really blaming Donald Trump. We may we make fun of the fact that he claims uh, that the stock market is going up because of him. But very likely, a Democratic president, a Hillary Clinton presidency, the Fed would be doing the same thing right now. 100%. Yeah. They're right? not controlled by the government, by the president. Right. And, and there's no oversight at all. Uh, no, exactly. And it's, but this is the game that they've been playing, right? They're going to keep uh, pumping up stock market and, and they get to print money for free. Anyway. So now when we're talking about bonds, Brent, the best bonds were also American bonds. A 30 year, right. <laughs> a 30 year treasury that uh, was worth a dollar in 2010 would now be valued $2 and eight cents. By contrast, the worst performing bonds were Turkey's. A dollar in Turkish bonds at the beginning of 2010 would now be worth around 61 cents. That's a 40% loss. Now, of course, doesn't sound as bad when we were talking about all that stuff that lost 99% of its value. But remember, a bond is supposed to be something that's low risk and that holds its value. Right. So losing 40% on a low risk asset is pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. all right, so a couple more numbers here. In 2010, we kind of ha- talked about this a little bit last time, Brent, but we talked about negative yielding bonds, right? This thing that doesn't really make sense in a vacuum. If you look at classic economics, the idea that each agent acts in a rational way, there's no reason why I would ever lend you money and <laughs> get negative interest rates. Hey, I'll give you $100, but you got to pay me back 90 uh, <laughs> over the next 10 years. That doesn't really make sense. At the beginning of 2010, when we still existed in the rational world before we broke, splintered off into a tangent reality, there were no Ah, negative interest rates, right? Anywhere in the world for bonds. No bonds had negative yielding interest rates. In 2019, there's now $17 trillion worth of negative yielding sovereign debt in the world that includes European central banks, the bank of Japan, as we know, Trump is pushing for negative rates here in the United States. So we are in a very quirky part of history. So, you know, listener, take a moment, look around you and just realize that you live in interesting times. So So I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Which of the big events do you think the time traveler changed that created our reality? Like, you know, I, I feel like we're living in this mm-hmm. this time where somebody was like, I'm going to go back in time. I'm going to invest some money in the stock market and be a millionaire. And then they did it. And, and it was like a genie yeah. giving you a wish where it doesn't really work out the way you want. Right. Like it broke everything. Style. It broke everything. Yeah, so, so what do you think? Who? Wh- what do you think they did? Well, who? you know, maybe there's an argument to be made that uh, when the Large Hadron Collider was turned on, we started messing around with reality at too deep a level, Brent. And we splintered off into all kinds of crazy realities. And we just happened to be in the one that we're in. That's what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. that So so that was the Occam's actual razor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But enough about the reality of uh, reality splinting. Let's go back to this <laughs> decade in investing. Central banks, Brent, one of our other favorite topics in the cryptocurrency space. The Brazilian central bank was the most active bank this decade, and they cut interest rates 25 times, and they hiked interest rates 24 times since 2010. Huh? So you know they 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 went they went down once. No, yeah, yeah, they, they but uh, but they did it in a very Latin flavor style, you know, like a salsa dance, like forward back, forward forward back. So you know, the Bank of Japan, on the other hand, as we know, the Japanese have no rhythm, and <laughs> instead they lowered the rates just once, <laughs> one time in the past ten years, and that was lowering it from a positive rate to a negative rate in 2016. So wow. that was the steadiest bank. However, they were also the best, the first bank to go negative. So before you start, you know, thinking like, oh, oh, maybe the Japanese are more responsible. They got it figured out. Country. Yep. Nope. 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 <laughs> they just started this. Whole, maybe they're the ones that started this. <laughs> All right. As interest rates have fallen, one of the assets that people have flocked to is, of course, gold, which was the top commodity of the decade. One dollar of gold in 2010 
is now worth $1.34. So, wow, that's the top commodity of the decade was a 34 cent or a 34% increase over 10 years. On the other hand, crude oil, which was the worst performing commodity, went down from a dollar in 2010 to 74 cents today. So actually pretty comparable uh, swings, right? The delta there, like the highest yeah. is 30%, the lowest is 30%. That gives us kind of an idea of the ranges that we should expect commodities to behave in. Also, the outliers on bonds are higher in both directions. The so I would not have thought that. You know what, though? In a way, that it kind of makes sense because the bonds are denominated in currency that is really ephemeral, right? It's only backed up by the by the bank itself. So you would expect the value of the dollar or the Turkish lira to fluctuate more than the value of a real asset like gold, let's say. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But the but the I just kind of pulled that I, out of my but butt, we're so but I'm we're pricing ahead. them in in cents here for so sixty one cents. It would have been worth it. I don't know. I, I'm not a good enough yeah, yeah, yeah. analysis, an analyst to figure yeah. this out. But just looking at those numbers, if you put those in a vacuum to me, I'd be like, so commodities are less risky than bonds, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my head because commodities tend are, are you know, they, they have a finite supply, so they should be more volatile. But yeah, I don't but, know. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. But one last thing, going back to the... Um, Going back to the idea that we have already $17 trillion of negative yielding debt. So here's my question. What is the proper risk profile for an asset to give you negative interest rates? What? What? Yeah. This is is what I'm saying. We already broke the point of rationality, right? Because like, if there's zero risk, if there's no risk at all, then you just want at least your money back. That's like the least that you, if there's 0% risk, then I'll lend you the money at 0% and I'll just eat the future cost of money and I get 100% of my money back. Okay, so what would that risk have to be <laughs> for you to give me back less money? That It just makes yeah. no sense, right? So I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is just because bonds are considered low-risk assets, because of our current governments and our current central banks, those assumptions are flimsy. I, I yep. don't really trust the, the risk analysis. If that I, I don't hold any bonds myself. I do. I, well, I obviously I do too. hold crypto. I do hold stocks. Um, I don't believe I even have any ETFs that are involved in commodities. So, uh, and you shouldn't a, because of your age. You know, we're not really supposed to have any money in bonds right now. Like, yeah. But as we get older and we get closer to retirement, we do want low risk assets in our in our portfolio. Maybe you will, Kareem. But I'm going to be one of those crazy gambler old men. That you want to play poker with. Mm-hmm. Or so he thinks. All right. So I want to say that that's kind of, that kind of wraps up the unit investment. Maybe I had a couple more. Oh, yeah. Oil was the worst commodity. Yeah, that's it. That's the year in investing. That is a complete overview of everything you need to know about investing from <laughs> 2010 to Just 2019. right down to it. Exactly. Don't you wish I would have told you this information in 2010? Well, Back to the present. Kareem isn't the time traveler, obviously. I am not the time travel. Um, and then I think that's it. Brent, You, you is your next story here the Google one? No, it is not. My next story is the one about me, kind of. Oh, I'm excited. So, uh, there was a teen arrested. He was arrested for stealing millions of dollars or over $1 million in cryptocurrency using sim swaps mm. so which i originally i read the article and i was like oh man i i want to read that because this is something that has happened to me so i have a little bit of a kinship with that but i read the article and this may be the guy that hacked me so it is I was, like you know for a fact it is i know that the person who hacked me targeted my crypto because it went right after my telegram they went right after my coinbase they went after crypto so they knew who I was and they knew that I had crypto. So they clearly targeted me. This guy targeted crypto. That was what he was is what he was going after. So he targeted crypto. That's what he was going after. And he has 87 counts of grand larceny against him. 87 successful attempts at swapping those sims. Wow. And he swapped them to iPhones. I know the guy who swapped me swapped to an iPhone. Because of when I was talking with T-Mobile trying to figure this out. Um, 
he got most of that $1 million from just two people. So it sounds like he did a bunch of swaps, finding, trying to find people who had crypto, and finally did get two high-profile people. And the, the other thing is, the dates match up with what happened to me. Remember, I got twice. First at the beginning of the year, and then a few months later. He did this between January 20th and May 19th. So I just read this article this morning. I don't know what other research I can do to see if I can get involved in this somehow and be another count or whatever, anything. I did report this to the authorities when it happened. So I may already be, I've never, I haven't been subpoenaed or anything, but I may be involved in this case. So I know I like to make things about me. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought, but I mean, you kind of have a semi-credible case here. I, I don't uh, know what the percentage chance excited. is that this is actually the guy who got me. But it's not zero. Like this no, is definitely. too clearly similar to what I was doing. Maybe it's somebody he told and they were doing something similar to him. Uh, but yeah, so if you check out the story, you can see the guy. Uh, they seized some assets from his apartment. They got six iPhones, two Rolexes, a monogrammed Gucci wallet, and a bunch of jewelry. So that's what he was buying very non-suspicious mm-hmm. things with his newly found <laughs> millions. And uh, yep. So yeah, that, you ever wonder again, how people that are so smart can be so stupid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it's yes, I do. You, you see it all the time. I don't know why I have that part. Of, I, I feel like you have this too, where you see a scam and you're like, come on, man. Fuck, just like do better. Like, how did you get caught? <laughs> yeah. That's the dumbest thing ever. How did that happen? Yeah. And then, uh, but then you're like, wait, why wait, am, am I, I cheering for this guy? No, yeah, screw you. I'm glad you got caught, you piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, yep, that's, that, that was the end of that. And that was a recent story. That was this week. That was one of the ones that we missed. And then, Finally, I've got a little interesting thing. So there was a top post on Reddit yesterday that I just wanted. So we're talking about Google earlier and talking about privacy and all this. Google knows what you were doing in 2010. And you can go look it up. If you go to myactivity.google.com with your oldest Google account. Now, you may not have had one in 2010, Mm -hmm. but I did. So I pulled up. You can sort by date. So I put before January 15th of 2011. And I could scroll back to see what Google things I did at the turn of the decade last time. <laughs> so I just thought it would be interesting to read some of the some of the things that I was searching for around this time. So <laughs> it wasn't like I was doing it every day. They've only got a few dates here. But on December 22nd, right before New Year's, right before Christmas... I searched for Neil Strauss. So this may have been when I started to learn about pickup, pickup artists. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I also looked for flat rate storage in Miami. So I guess I was moving. And uh, also I was asking, should eliminated teams be allowed a waiver wire pickup in fantasy football? So I was wondering if people had opinions on that. Uh, going a little bit later, this is now on the next day, December 23rd. I had a different theme for this day. Start off the day with uh, searching for hedge fund. Then I visited top five tips for starting a hedge fund. I searched for how to start a hedge fund. I, and how did you get to I, this? How did you get to this search, Brent? How would one? Myactivity.google.com. Okay. And Continue. then if you're logged into your oldest account, you can go find it. I, I visited uh, CNN Money. I searched for day trading bankroll requirement. <laughs> so I clearly was on some sort of thing here. There's a Yahoo Answers question. How does one get into day trading? Like, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that ended up going because I remember learning about this stuff, but I don't remember thinking I was going to start a hedge fund. Uh, then the next day, something, what is a fantasy football search on Ramblin' Wreck. I don't know what that I must have been checking on something. The next day, I was searching Georgia Tech football because I remember going to the to the bowl game that they were in a friend of mine had tickets that was on january 5th so there's there's a lot missing in between like i didn't actually google anything while logged into my google account on new year's but december 23rd i have stuff and january 5th of 2010 i have stuff you also can't share everything you googled you know what i'm saying (laughs) no no i I am sharing everything but yes i agree with you I, i also searched uh cool stuff inc which is where i would buy like magic cards or or board games and I on the January 6th, I searched for IP Relay. I went to IP-Relay.com, which is like a service for deaf people, 
where you can call a number via that site. I don't know if it still exists, but it did at the time. And I'm pretty sure it means I lost my phone because, uh, and I don't remember losing my phone, but I know if I had lost my phone and I needed to contact somebody or it was dead, I could go on there and I could call them and it's and like you type and the person talks for you. So I'm wondering if I lost my phone there and for the reason there's a gap in my search history from the 23rd to the 5th is because there was no phone there. So, yep, that was my that was my interesting thing. So I, I ended up not starting that hedge fund, believe it or not. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, and another and more evidence I didn't have a phone. I also searched for onlineclock.net. So I needed an alarm clock, which I wouldn't have needed if I had a phone. So Nice. So it's in- interesting doing a little forensic research on me there. Yeah, I tried to go look, and I guess I didn't. Ha- I probably didn't have it in 2010 or something because nothing showed up. So, yeah, it, it, or you may not have been like logged into Chrome or whatever the case. 2010 is pretty early adopter for Google like apps and stuff like that. I think so. Right. So yep, and oh, Martino tire. Uh, yeah, my 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 tire went flat in January. So anyway, th- those want to hear about. Th- I have no porn searches. No nothing damning at all i mm-hmm. I mean it's kind of funny that i was trying to start a hedge fund but or <laughs> learning about day trading but i'm glad i ended up coming to the right conclusion that day trading was a dumb idea because that could have been a point in my life where i just went broke <laughs> well i i just found the oldest search i could find which was from like january 2015 and uh i'm looking what happens when i give bananas to my dog and what to expect when my dog I has diarrhea. <laughs> so I remember when you gave him bananas. Yeah, yeah. He was like super constipated for like days or something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it turns out I read that you should give him bananas. Or I know bananas are good for when you have diarrhea or something. But then I forgot that he's only like eight pounds. So I gave him like half <laughs> yeah, a banana. Like half a banana. <laughs> which is like the equivalent of me eating like 10 bananas or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he literally went from having diarrhea and pooping like four times in a day to not poop, not pooping for like a week. <laughs> and then when he finally did, it was like, he had to try so hard. Poor thing. <laughs> but anyway, that's, you know what? A single one of my Google searches is already too much. <laughs> yeah. And just so you know, there is a way to clear those, which I intend to do after this episode. I just wanted to read some of those, but you can purge that data. So as interesting as it was to read that, I am going to be purging it. So mm. I, I will not have that for you again in 2030. My man. All right. Anyway, so that's that's done, and it looks like we've got one little update. Uh, you know, ah, I love this update because this has made like evening news and all that stuff. So, one more update before we leave and talk about Patreon and all that stuff. That is a scam. No, 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 that's a scam. Yeah, I put this in. That's a scam, even though the story itself is not a scam. But I feel it feels like a scam follow up, right, Brent? I mean, oh, it, seems, yeah, it feels it's, correct. It's definitely a follow up to a scam. So we covered the story of uh, Gerald Cotton, who was the CEO of Quadriga CX, uh, and he's the one that supposedly died on a mission and <laughs> separated, disappeared with all. We're the not keys. conspiracy minded or anything. Yeah, disappeared with all the keys and stuff. Um, hey, listen, we've said it before. What we do on this show, what what we can do properly, maybe one of our only skills, is just we see red flags. And when there's a lot of them, we go, oh, careful. That's a lot yep. of red flags. And then that's it. That's what we do. And <laughs> this story had red flags all over the place. Well, it turns out that all of the clients of Quadriga have been unable to access the $250 million they had locked up because... Allegedly, supposedly, or now probably, all of the operations were encrypted, and the only one who had the password was Gerald Cotton. Yep. Now, the, big the company was based in Nova Scotia. So there were lawyers assigned in the court to represent the clients, and now they're asking to exhume the body and conduct an autopsy. They want to, first of all, confirm the identity and confirm the cause of death. And the lawyers requested that, you know, because of pressing time issues, the autopsy be conducted this year in 2020 by the spring of 2020. Now, as a little flashback, a refresher, the firm originally announced the guy's death in January 14th. So around, you know, basically about a year ago. And it was on a Facebook post. And they said that he's basically had been dead for about a month, December 9th, 2018. Mm -hmm. And remember, he died while traveling to India 
uh, because of some charity thing. Don't forget, he's a hero. And yeah. he died of complications from Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory <laughs> bowel disease that is rarely fatal. But as you all know, when a millionaire travels overseas, they'd never have access to good health care. So right. uh, he's, you know, a prime risk target uh, for dying of Crohn's disease. It's basically the Oregon Trail in India. That's you know, right. He's, that, he's over there dying of dysentery and... And with no resources to 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 care of him, you know. Uh, anyway, so the replacement CEO had no access to the passwords, couldn't find the keys or the cold storage. And now it looks like the FBI and the IRS are looking into the firm. Uh, there was an accounting firm that was assigned to go over the company for basically the idea is to try to sell Quadriga and use some of that money to, you know, make whole the people who are getting screwed in this deal. And the accountant firm basically said that Quadriga did not appear to possess any basic corporate records, including accounting records. Yeah, the oh. guy did it in his head. Shocker. Like, he's like, oh, I kept all that in my head. Sh- oh, yeah? Yeah. It's amazing. This company wasn't keeping proper financial records. I don't believe it. I This is, yeah. this is crazy to me. And uh, last but not least, the company also transferred tons of crypto into the personal accounts of cotton on other exchanges and they were they never gave a business justification for this so of course you know this is playing out in the courts and all that stuff but you know the lawyers are basically saying come on now unless you can really prove that that body's his and we can prove the cause of death something stinks and they want to follow through in a legal way and you know what good for them Come on, this is ridiculously conspiratorial. There is no way that somebody fakes their own death. This is crazy. <laughs> exhuming a body, this is just unbelievable. Mm. They're desecrating this man. He's going to feel it in heaven. For no and reason. No reason, no reason. This is preposterous. How could they possibly exhume this body? They're not going to exhume the body because there's not a fucking body to exhume. But <laughs> that. It's funny you hear the the mainstream media kind of pick this up, and they were talking about, oh, there's a crypto. Like these people think they're going to pull up the body. The guy didn't really die. All this stuff, and it, it's all from this incredulous standpoint. And again, we've said we've sounded a little conspiratorial a few times in this episode. I promise you, we're skeptical. I also promise you that the odds are in the favor of this guy not dying. Come on. Like, this is a fake. Come on. Look at the <laughs> look at the flags. This guy's yeah. putting, not keeping records, throwing money to his personal accounts, disappears on a trip and dies a totally preventable death. Uh, he's the only one with access to all the information. Hey, come on. Really, guys? Really? Come on. Yeah. This is... Uh... I mean, come on. i i hope they do get to exhume the body i mean like i i would like us to be able to toot our horn for this one and be right but i like we don't i don't know we don't have to there's too many red flags this is just either this guy is the most unlucky you know person who died of all time so that we would think that he faked it and he's getting no recognition for the rest of his life or uh or he really did fake it in which case like you know he's it's the end it's the end of the movie he's at sewataneo and he's living as happily ever after life <sighs> anyway all right well i think i think that brings us to the completion here of the episode but i want to do a since we normally do this on the last episode of the year or of the month but we didn't do that because we didn't have a last episode of the month we were we were all doing christmasy stuff and having having fun you know what before i even do this what, what was your favorite christmas gift what was my favorite Christmas gift? Yeah, I'll tell you mine. My brother got me a uh, he got me dehydrated water. Dehydrated so, water? What? Yeah, it's it's literally just a can that says on it like all these stupid phrases. And then when you open it up, it says dehydrated water. It's a little can. Just add water. So you open it up and there's nothing in it. <laughs> he literally <laughs> went through the pro- the whole thing of getting me that's good stuff. A, a complete gag gift. He got me uh, other stuff too, but that was a uh, that was pretty funny. Nice. So, um, well, you didn't give me yours. Like, what was it? Um, uh... I got, uh, I want to say, I didn't really get a lot of presents this year. I don't think, I mean, you know what? I think your present, if you're counting that as a Christmas present, I was probably the best present. Oh, oh, you got that like three weeks before Christmas. I don't think that counts as a Christmas present. I didn't get anything else for Christmas. I got like a I bottle of on wine. Black Friday. 
Um, I got some comfortable flip flops actually that I've been wanting. You know the you know how some flip flops you put your thumb and your other finger in between them, and then sometimes I got to run downstairs, but I got socks on all in the house. Well, I got one of those flip flops that you know, like the little Velcro things, like the yeah, and those are comfy. Oh, so the the so you you not thongs that like they would call them in correct uh, Australia correct. or whatever. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Congratulations on your Thank you. things. Do, do you guys even, do you celebrate Christmas? I don't know. I love Christmas. We despite do. the religious implications. No, so. no, no, no. We do celebrate Christmas. We uh, and we do multiple celebrations. Like we usually drive up to Tampa and we see uh we have like four stops because I have family in Tampa. I have different family in Tampa from different sides. My childhood friend is in Tampa. Paola's uh, best friend travels to tampa on christmas so we literally drive up and do like a little christmas tour do the spanish celebration on the 24th at night then hang out with some white family on the 25th during the day and celebrate with them (laughs) it's perfect well yeah that's that sounds like fun i always make sure to go home for christmas too it's funny that i care so i I don't know i wonder why i care so much about christmas but like don't care about the religious implications but i also put up a christmas tree i do all that stuff so because because i like santa claus no dude it's because it has nothing to do with uh like i think that most cultures like and celebrate having a winter festival a kind of end of year festival where we're just getting with the family exchanging presents eating food and just kind of like have an excuse to get together with people you love and in pagan cultures that's been under certain pretenses and you know, there's historical implications as to why Christmas became about "quote unquote" Christ, and now our culture is changing again, so it's becoming less and less about religion. But I think it's just there's something special about uh, winter holidays, and I think that some version of it is something that a lot of us enjoy, whether or not we're religious. That was a very succinct explanation, and it gave me enough time to pull up our our patron list that I did not have ready for some reason. So thank you for that. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. Like, I, yeah, that's, that's a very articulate, you know, Kareem, you are always able to articulate the thoughts that I have in my head. Oh, that's, that's how I feel either. about oh. you and what you say. Well, that is, you always know how to butter me up, buttercup. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to shout out to, to all of our patrons because this is the, basically the year wrap up. I'm going to start with, you know, the master node, the best people that are contributing the most and helping keep this podcast afloat. A. Jordan Willis is up there. He's on the Master Node tier. Anthony M. Nymeyer up there. Also been a Master Node patron. Annette Kempe also taking care of us up there on the Master Node layer. This is the biggest layer. This is the $5 an episode. They're helping us out. The Burrito Project, still a great name is up there as the uh as another five dollar master node tier simon gordon the bigger boat simon gordon is actually our biggest contributor of the year Uh, he's been with us basically since the day we launched our patreon and therefore he's been the biggest uh crypto basic contributor for that entire period of time because he's been at that at that tier the entire time and then going on down to the secure note or what or what do we call this the, the, yeah the secure note layer right uh the we've got the bigger boat aesthetic senpai ether cocky he hasn't changed his name in a while he probably needs to change that soon jeff still chilling uh general brahman's still there steve stapleton's still there the z-man is still there and we don't want to forget those that are on also just the inner circle layer member everybody who's been a patron contributor has gotten their token. Hopefully, if you haven't gotten your token, for whatever reason, please reach out to me. I did have that uh, private key issue for a little bit, but I think I've got them all out. Uh, going on down, we've got LED Icarus, I think. It, he, he's, he's Icarus in the chat. Kelly of the West, Tokenomia, Lays, Peter Stewart, Sam McCollum, and Simon Stokes, and many of, many of everyone that I just listed off has been a patron since the beginning of the year. So it's been real. It's been really awesome to feel that outcrying of support from everybody, and we're happy to be a part of this crypto community and revolution. And happy that all of you believe in us enough to denote some of your hard-earned dollars to us. And if you have any suggestions for the crypties, any Patreon member who gives a crypty suggestion will automatically have that person included in the voting. <laughs> And once Adam is back, we need three people to do the cryptids voting. We cannot do the cryptids voting with only two people. We would constantly have to break ties. 
We're not doing that. When Adam's back, we will have our quiz style cryptes award show and we will do all of the categories from last year that was fun and maybe even more and it'll be a very interesting episode. we'll do that instead of the flagship one week it'll be fun who do you think since we're here who do you think is going to be the the front runner for biggest douche in the universe oh, this year come on i don't want to <laughs> make it sound less interesting than we are but I, you know Actually, there's a couple of options. There's a couple of options because Justin's son pulled that little thing with uh, with Buffett, and then he had to go plead to the Chinese elders how amazing they are. So that was kind of douchey. Craig Wright just con- you know they also he also bought DTube. Yeah, no, with I- the Tron Foundation. I didn't even mention. I should have mentioned that on, in the rapid fire. He he bought a D app on another blockchain for some reason with the Tron Foundation money. Yeah, I mean. What? Look, Jesus. again, he's always there. Craig Wright is always there. You know, <laughs> I guess this is just crypto related, right? Because yeah, 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 like <laughs> there's a pretty big douche out there that should be on every list, but maybe not. Yeah, no, he's the biggest. <laughs> and of course, John Edwards defending his biggest douche in the universe. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's all I'll say. We definitely got to do some setup for that. So when we have Adam, we'll do the cryptes. It'll be a good time. Yeah, you know the categories you can search last year about this time. That's when we did it. So submit anybody you think should be in there. Not all the cryptos are bad, only some of them. And, uh, yep, so stick with us. Stay basic. Got some fun things this year, I think. Peace out. Deuces. Oh, wait, we're not financial advisors. Anything we say is not financial advice for idiots. Please do your own research. This is entertainment purposes only. Tell your lawyer, Kareem's not interested. We'll